Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. words of our book are in the beginning God. Now what that means is before the before the stars were formed, before the, the planets started swirling, and long before the breath of life was breathed into humanity, God was. But the interesting thing about the, the God of the Bible is that God was not alone. In fact, God doesn't know how to be alone because he never was alone. Because even before the stars, uh, even before there was matter, before there was energy, God was with. You see, uh, God was in a relationship. There was something more than just aloneness. There was withness. You see, this is the beautiful truth of the Trinity, that God the Father was with God the Son, who was with God the Spirit for all eternity past. In fact, this is one of the amazing truths of the Christian faith, and it's one of the things that makes sense out of a statement like, God is love. Do you realize that the only way a statement like that could be true, that God is love, is if for eternity past, God has lived with another. Now, of course, I know that this concept is a, is a tricky one uh, to, to understand the, the nuances of the fact that God is one God ex- eternally existing in three persons. It's a big deal, but it's an important deal because it tells us that at the very core of all reality is withness. It is not aloneness. It is withness. And for this reason, I want to talk today about the importance of withness. You see, uh, it's the most basic of all relationships, the most basic of all things. There's a certain withness at the, at the heart of all reality because it's at the heart of God. And that's why the very first thing that God does with his created humans, the first two humans, is actually put them into a relationship of withness. It's a relationship we call marriage. In fact, later on, uh, the Apostle Paul would, would compare that relationship, the, the mystery of that relationship, to the mystery of how Christ loves us. This withness is a profound mystery. But back there, in the Garden of Eden, when those first two people were put together, um, those first two humans were, were with God in a way that, that we've never known since then. They were with God and with each other, unlike we've ever fully realized. Sin, sin broke that relationship. It, it broke that withness. Uh, but if you remember, the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned, was to hide from God. They, they, they are the ones who, who hid themselves from God and, and more or less told God, I, I can't be around you. It wasn't the other way around. 
God didn't hide from them. God is the one who pursued them. He's been pursuing us ever since. He's the one who called out to them, where are you? The truth of the matter is, though, that we, as the human race, we've been hiding ever since. We've been hiding ourselves from each other and from God. Now that we have learned, uh, last week we learned that God is is the pursuing God, the God who pursues us. I hope that this time, today, we can learn how to come out of hiding. We can learn how to, to, to be who God's asked us to be, inviting us to be, so that we can enter into a relationship of witness, so that we can learn how we can go about fulfilling our mission of pursuing the God who pursues us, to live in pursuit of that God. This is the kind of relationship that God wants for you. He wants for me. It is a relationship of of mutual pursuit, of mutual love. In fact, this is what I want you to see today, that, that withness is a relationship of mutual pursuit. I encourage you to write that down. Withness is a relationship of mutual pursuit. It is my goal today to give you some practical advice on how you can go about pursuing God. But before we get there, uh, we need to lay some groundwork as to why this relationship of withness really matters. Unfortunately, most of our talk about uh, the Christian life uh, in the church tends to focus on uh, the initial steps of pursuing God. Um, we, we, instead, of, instead of pursuing God throughout life, we think about it as if we have found God. In fact, uh, A.W. Tozer, in a book aptly called The Pursuit of God, writing in the 1940s, he, in some of the opening pages of the book, he, he provides this critique of what we call evangelicalism. He says this, everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ, a term, incidentally, which is not found in the Bible, he says. And we are not expected, therefore, to crave any further revelation of God to our spirit. We have been snared in the coils of a false logic which insists that if we have found him, we need no more seek him. Do you see what he's saying here? Today, if you hear anything else, uh, if you don't hear anything else, what I want you to hear is this. I want you to hear me say that we need to continue to seek Jesus, that, that we're not done yet, that that's part of what this life is, is continuing to pursue God. I mean, think about it. What if you did this in a dating relationship? Okay? What if, if, if you were pursuing the one you loved and pursuing and pursuing until you got the one you loved and then you just stopped pursuing? Uh, let me tell you, that right there is the re- recipe for disaster. That is the way that relationships die. In fact, that's the way that marriages die all the time is when one party stops pursuing the other this is what it's all about. This is what relationship is all about. It's about two people mutually pursuing one another. 
This is the paradox at the heart of what it means to love another person. That is that at the very point which you have found love is actually the point at which you must keep pursuing or you will lose love. You cannot stop pursuing. You see, this relationship, your relationship between uh, you and Jesus, that has the potential to be the most life-giving relationship that you can experience. In fact, it is the the relationship that will actually give life to all your other relationships. So I do not want that to be a lifeless relationship. And so it's up to us to, to pursue God back. However, we need to learn what that looks like, what it looks like to continue our pursuit. For this series, we've taken as, uh, as our model uh, a passage out of Matthew 4, verse 19. And, and we've said that the model is being with Jesus, uh, becoming like Jesus, and doing as Jesus did. That passage comes out of Jesus' call of of Simon and Andrew in that Matthew passage. Now I want to take you to the book of Mark, where Jesus calls uh, the the 12 disciples. This is maybe a a further call. Maybe this is after that took place. And and what we read in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, is this. And he went up on the mountain. So Jesus, he goes up on the mountain. And I just love this, first of all, because what Jesus is doing, doing is actually modeling what he's going to invite his disciples to do. Because before many decisions in his life, he went off and he got alone. He went and he spent time with God, with his father. This is what Jesus was doing. And sure enough, he goes up and it says this, and he called, he called to, the, to him those whom he desired. You see, uh, Jesus is doing the pursuing here. The, the same kind of pursuing that God has always done. He's seeking after us. He called them and they came to him. Now, this was a, a meager effort on their part, but they had to go up the mountain to him. He called, they came. Uh, and, and it showed that they wanted to be with Jesus as well. This wasn't just Jesus wanting to be with them. They wanted to be with Jesus as the same. And at the very minimum, uh, what it means to be a disciple is to, to want to be with Jesus. They came to him, verse 14 says, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Now, when, when I tend to think about the life of these 12, okay, the, the disciples, the apostles, um, I often think about them as the ones who uh, went around the known world sharing the faith, like spreading the gospel. They were the ones who were given authority to, to do all sorts of, of, of miracles, to cast out demons. I think of them as the things that they did. But I want to point out something crucial here. That, that before any of that before Jesus gave them power to do any of those things, there was something, something prior. I, I want to say that it's even something more important than all of that. I want you to notice that, that before that, they were, before they were called to play their part in the kingdom, 
in God's kingdom under Jesus' reign, they were called to this. They were called to be with Jesus. Notice, Jesus called them. They came so that, so that they might be with him. See, I, I want to suggest something to you today that, that, that this is our primary calling in life, is to be with Jesus. That this is what God wants from us. And this is the most important step in your journey, this adventure of becoming a disciple. And yes, of course, there's going ultimately to be, uh, to, to be an outward, uh, outward viewing of this, outward showing of what goes on in you. Um, and, and yes, there's going to be impact on the world. Absolutely. But before any of that, he is calling, his calling on your life is to be with him. It is a calling of witness. The point is that Jesus is the curriculum. It's the curriculum of a disciple. It is knowing Jesus and listening to Jesus and following Jesus and noticing the way that Jesus talked to people, uh, noticing the way that he interacted with people. Now, one of the temptations that, that we often have, and I'll admit this is the temptation that I have, is to move directly to what we do. Um, I, I want to get into like doing stuff and figure out what I'm supposed to do. God, just tell me what to do here. I'm not one that always likes waiting and sitting. Um, I want to do and I want to move too quickly into what God wants from me. In fact, I was actually tempted to preach this that way, to go straight into what God wants from us. But I, I realized something that if we do that, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to miss all that God has for us because he wants more. Because often I think that my value to Jesus is what I can do for him. I, I think that Jesus uh, wants me to be a good father. He does. I think he, he wants me to be a good pastor. He does. He wants me to be a good preacher. He wants me to be, to be a good program, programmer to plan events or to all of those things. He wants me to, to go and, and witness to more people. And sure, those are all good things. But before I get too far down that road, I, I, I often hear the, the voice of my friend, our old pastor, Chip Whitman, who would say, remember, you are a human being before you are a human doing. I think that's a good word for us today. It's not just about what you do. It's about who you are. First and foremost, before you do anything for God, he simply wants you to be with him. God cares more about who you are than about what you do for him. And this is what a relationship of witness is all about. Jesus wants you before he wants anything from you. I want you to write that down. Uh, Jesus wants you before he wants anything from you. He just wants you. ways that God shows his love for us is, is actually 
by wanting you to live better than you can without him. You see, Jesus knows that that he can teach you how to live, that that living uh, in God's kingdom under the reign of Jesus is actually better for you. It's a better way to live. And that's what he wants to teach you. So there's going to be something to do. Okay, now, but there's a tension inherent in the Christian life between being and doing. And I think the best passage that kind of um, talks about that and compares them in a beautiful way is a passage that's actually about vines. In my Bible, it's called the, the branches and the vine. And, uh, and it, it is in the vine and the branches. It's in John chapter 15. And so I'd love it if you turn there with me. I want to read the passage to you first. John 15 verse 1 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You see, the purpose of vines are not just to look good. They're to actually produce fruit. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, he says, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, uh, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. He is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, Jesus tells them that this is all about their joy. He, he wants to give you and me his joy. And he wants it to be uh, full, a joy that is completely full. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, but what are these things that he is saying? Now, that's a, it's a long passage. But I, I think you might have picked up on a, a few key ideas in here. Okay, I, I think there's two of them. In fact, um, I, I counted. Um, he says, bear fruit six times. And then he says, abide ten times. He's saying, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. And then abide, abide, abide. Oh, uh, abide. By the way, abide, 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 and abide. I think that was 10. All right. This is, this is a pretty clear statement. Jesus wants us to hear something. He wants us to hear that our purpose is to bear fruit, but we can only do that if we abide. And so we're going to need to look at some of these words together. Let's start with this word abide. Abide. 
Now, um, abide is not a word that we use in English all that much anymore. Uh, the Greek word uh, meno could be translated remain or, or dwell, uh, but I really like this word abide and I kind of want to reclaim it. Uh, it. And it might make more sense to you if I used it in a different tense. Okay, for instance, um, if I said to you, welcome to my humble abode, you, you would probably know what I'm talking about, right? Um, you would know that I'm saying, I'm welcoming you, welcoming you into my home um, because my abode is my home. And actually, abode is the past tense of abide. And I think those words are related. And what, what Jesus is telling us is that he wants you to make your home with him. That you want Jesus to, to be a part of your home, to, to be with him in the way you would be at home. What I think he's saying is, I, 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 I want you to be comfortable with me. I want you to be so comfortable with me that you can, you can lay around in your sweats and you, you can, don't worry, have to worry about your makeup or what your hair looks like. You can be who you really are with Jesus. This is the way he wants to be with you. This is the type of withness. It's an intimacy of being together as who you are, not having to pretend anymore, not having to hide who you are, to be really you. You see, if we understand this word abide like this, what we find is that uh, you will become the abode of God. You, you will become his home in you when you abide in him. He will be at home with you and when you are at home in him. I just love that idea. It's this intimate kind of witness that he is longing for. He's talking about moving in with you. But that means you've got to stop hiding. Uh, you you got you to stop hiding all the dirty laundry that's in your house. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about cleaning up the dishes anymore. Adam and Eve, they hid from the garden. And now the gardener is telling you to stop hiding. You see, this is what I want you to write down. Withness means letting Jesus find all of you. To find all of you. This is how we abide. We make our home with Jesus and we remain there with him. When we do this, this is how we're able to grow and produce the fruit that he wants from us. Let's look back at verse four. Um, he says this, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Now, um, I've got a branch here. <laughs> this is a, a branch that was just recently pruned from these vines here. This branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it is at home with a vine, unless it's attached, unless it remains in the vine. And neither can you unless you remain, unless you are at home with Jesus. Now, the question becomes, what is the fruit metaphor that Jesus is talking about? What's he want from us? And I want to suggest to you that the fruit that Jesus wants to see happen in the disciples life is both the life change that he wants to see in us, okay? This is the, the continual character development within us. This is us becoming more like Jesus. So it's life change, but it's also changed lives. 
You see, I think that Jesus also wants to see us doing as Jesus did and being about what he's been doing ever since the beginning, and that's changing people's lives. So what Jesus knew, though, is that we can't do this all on our own when we're separated from him. And that's the point. The next point I want you to write down is that witness being attached, abiding with Jesus. Witness is the energy source of a disciple. This is where we get the energy. It's from being with Jesus. So if you want a life that is, that is marked by Jesus, if you want a life that looks like Jesus, if you want Jesus's joy, if you want his peace, that peace that transcends all understanding, if you want to be marked by Jesus's love, then the way to that, the way of that kind of love, the way to tap into that is to abide in him. It's to be with Jesus. Witness is the energy source of a disciple. If you remember, verse six says, if anyone does not abide, He's thrown away. A second ago, I just tossed that branch on the ground. Uh, It's thrown away. It's useless to him. The branch withers and, and it dies. The branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned, he says. Why? Because a a branch that isn't connected to the vine will not function the way that the branch is supposed to function. That's the point. And here's what I want you to write down. Withness is the way to wholeness. Witness is the way to wholeness. If we want to be all that God has created us to be, the way to that is with being with Jesus. But bearing fruit is also about joining God's kingdom under Jesus' reign to bring his love to others. It's about life change but it's also about changing lives. But the truth is that you can't do anything of spiritual significance without him, without being connected to the vine. E.M. Bounds put it this way. I love it. To be little with God is to be little for God. You see that? To be little with God is actually going to mean that you're not going to be much for God at all. The point is, witness. See, witness precedes and it propels witness. Witness, it comes before we can ever do anything for Jesus. And it propels that to so much more. The more you are with Jesus the more you start looking like Jesus, the more you start acting like Jesus, the more the world looks at you and sees Jesus. And the the more you look like Jesus, the more effective your witness becomes. And I don't know about you, but I'm often tempted to jump right past this and get to work. I'm tempted to go past the with part and get to work. I want to see people's lives changed. I want to to see this world to be a better place, and I want it now. None of this waiting around anymore. I want to get out there and change the world. What I have to learn, what we have to learn, is that we can't do anything of spiritual importance, anything of spiritual value, without being attached to the vine, 
without being with Jesus. You know, often the the timelines in uh, books that we read, especially especially in, in an older book like this, the, the timelines get a little uh, a little confused in in my mind at least, because um, at times you can read a sentence or two, a paragraph or a page, and uh, and what you don't realize is that it just jumped years, um, sometimes decades between one sentence and the next. And when we read about someone like the Apostle Paul in Acts, we read about an amazing conversion. And then within a page or two, we read that he's out preaching the gospel and out spreading the good news all around the known world. But what we don't realize is within that page or two of us reading that seven years have gone by. Seven years, seven long years of waiting. Do you know what Paul was most likely doing during those times? Can can I give you a hint? Uh, He wasn't watching Netflix, all right? Uh, He was being with Jesus, realizing that that is the energy source of a disciple. And it's because he was with Jesus that he was able to do so much for Jesus. few minutes we have together, I want to give you some very practical ways that you can do this, that you can can pursue this relationship of withness with Jesus. The first is about as simple as it comes, and it's it's just to pray. Now, uh, but I want you to think about it this way, that I want you to pray as you are, not as you should be. Okay, think about this. I think we often spend our time praying um, the way that we think we should pray. Uh, we use words that, uh, that are bigger than we, we typically use when we pray. Um, so I want you to pray as you are. Pray who you are. Pray what you feel. Remembering that, that that's what Jesus wants. He wants you as you are. He's not waiting to, to love you until you get good, until you look better, do all of those things. He wants you as you are. He wants the his love to be the energy source, to transform you into more. So pray as you are. And the, the second little piece of advice is to, is to actually invest in your relationship. Invest in, in the relationship that you have with Jesus. And, and, and actually, part of me thinks that even um, investing your resources is a good idea. Jesus does say that, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So when you put your treasure somewhere, uh, your heart is going to follow that. And so I, I want to encourage you to, to give, but not just that. I, I want to encourage you to, to actually invest in maybe a, maybe a retreat when we can do those sorts of things. Um, going off and getting alone with God, um, maybe it's sending a kid to camp. Um, what a great way to invest in someone else's relationship and maybe even yours when the kids are gone, right? Um, I, you know, maybe it's invest in a book that you can read. Uh, maybe it's invest time in reading this book. That would be a very good idea. These are all ways that we can say, I, I, I want to pursue you, Jesus. 
Oh, but there's a lot more. Uh, this week's uh, daily fill, the devotional that we have, uh, that we write every week, um, all week long, we're going to be talking about ways that we abide, um, the ways that you can do this. I encourage you to look. In, in, the, in the book that we wrote, the, the way book that, that we gave out, uh, there's a great prayer practice that you can do this. It's, it's called the examine where we examine our life. Basically, what I'm telling you is that it, as you invest, what you're saying to Jesus is that you want to pursue him, that this is a mutual relationship of pursuit. I think that's what he wants. That's what anyone wants in a relationship. You know, I have this thing with my daughter. Uh, her name's Allie. Hi, Allie. Um, I have this thing with her um, that anytime I talk about her, in a sermon, uh, then I have to like make it up to her. It's actually a rule that my wife came up with a long time ago. And, and she knows this because she grew up as a pastor's kid and she knew what it's like to have a pastor always talk about his kids. And she knew at times that that could be embarrassing. So she made this rule that I've got to make it up to Allie um, whenever I talk to her. I have to make it up with all the kids, but Allie has really taken to this. She loves it because she has decided that anytime I talk about her, that I owe her a sushi date. Yes, my daughter has expensive tastes and uh, she's, she's got tastes after my own heart because I love sushi, but I love her more. And you know, um, you might think to yourself, that doesn't sound like much of a punishment. Yeah, it can be a little expensive, but I get to have a date with my daughter and I actually love talking about her in a sermon, uh, not because I want to embarrass her, but because I know that she wants to go on a sushi date with her dad. I just love that she wants to be with me and I want to be with her. And so I'm going to talk about her. I'm going to talk about her um, as much as I can. So Allie, let's go on a sushi date. You know, I, I got to say, I, I think that's the way God feels about us. He wants us to want to be with him because he wants to be with you. And so invest in that relationship. Spend time with Jesus today. Let's learn to abide in him. I want to end with a, with a prayer, a prayer that uh, was taken right out of that book that A.W. Tozer wrote, aptly called The Pursuit of God. And it's a prayer that sums up my heart for you, for me in all of this. And so let's pray this prayer together. Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire, O oh God. O oh God, the triune God, I want to want Thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me Thy glory, I pray Thee, so that I may know Thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace 
to rise and follow Thee up from the misty lowland where I have wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to